unparalleled coverage. City News on 97.3 FM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu here tonight with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. It's within the right of the judge to either accept or reject. Because looking at Section 35, even the parties agree, it's subject to satisfaction of the court. And the judge in wisdom has realized that there's a need to look at one or two issues. So we see nothing wrong with the judge trying to assert his authority as a judge in the case. Founder of defunct Capital Bank Emmanuel Atu-Asien reaches last-minute settlement agreement with the state prosecutors that will see him paying, that may see him rather, paying back the money he allegedly embezzled rather than serving a jail term he found guilty. The judge is furious and demanding more answers from the two parties. Also coming up, National Service Scheme suspends his Ashanti Regional Director who verbally abused a nurse at the Menshia Government Hospital. But the nurses want more. And later on Eyewitness News. Mr. Speaker, when we get to approval of budget estimates and ministers don't appear in person by themselves, we will not support the approval of the budgetary allocations to those ministers. We will not do it. What well, a summary of the threats by the MDC MPs in the House of Parliament as presented there by their leader, Haruna. Idrisu. Stay with 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... ISA calls for data-backed policy implementation to ensure government's initiatives achieve required policies. That's in 15 minutes uh, from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the western region on Adrian Power 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Ashanti region, on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi, Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, Eyewitness News is on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajebu, as well as VOV Radio 95.7 FM. In Hohoe, if you go to the northern region, we are live on Radio Bimbila, 91.9 FM. In Upper East, we are on Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu. And in the Upper West region, we are on Tunsung, 97.3 FM in Wa. We are also live on Facebook. You can watch what's happening in the studio and hear what we are bringing for you. And also drop your comments on our comment section on the Facebook feed. Let me know what you think of the big stories we are bringing you tonight. The WhatsApp number is 549 996-0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories. And the first one is coming from the court, the High Court in Accra. Hansen Ajiman of the City Newsroom was there to observe and actually was there to cover the judgment of that case that was brought by the state against Atuesian and two other people. 
that judgment did not happen, but a few things came up. Hansen, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Sandra. So the genesis of the case is that what? Capital Bank collapsed. The state said these are the people who are responsible for the money that was lost and so brought them before court. Correct? Yes, so when the financial sector cleanup came about, the Bank of Ghana was giving liquidation support to a number of banks and the Capital Bank was part of the companies or the banks that got liquidation support and it got 620 million Ghana cities uh, somewhere in 2015. Now the case is that out of this 620 million Ghana cities that was released to the Capital Bank, uh, the three accused persons uh, in their actions and inactions had dissipated those monies for their own personal good. So specifics that had been provided by the courts was that an initial 120 million Ghana cities was first uh, transferred into a bank account of an all, of all capital limited, which was owned by Atu ACN. That 100 million out of that was transferred to MC Management Services, owned by Atu ACN as well. And that was used and presented to the Bank of Ghana as initial capital for sovereign bank. So the money that was meant for the liquidity support was used to start another uh, bank. And then 65 million again out of the 620 million was uh, taken out of the liquidity support money. And 30 million was added to the 100 million as um, monies for uh, initial capital for sovereign bank again 27.5 million ghana cities was taken out of this 620 million ghana cities and was given to atu asian who during uh, the course of the of, of the trial explained that the 27.5 million that was given to him was finder's fee because he found the processes of getting the liquidity support from the Bank of Ghana. So amongst the other uh, dissipations that were done to this particular money, the government and the state, uh, through the Attorney General, believes that these actions resulted in the collapse of Capital Bank. So the, they have been standing trial, uh, trial for three years, 17 witnesses called, the case proceeded. Today we're supposed to see judgment, but that didn't happen. Yes, so we're supposed to see judgment today at about uh, 10.55. Um, Justice uh, Eric Cheba for a Court of Appeal judge uh, sitting as an additional high court judge came to take a seat. Uh, the court, uh, the, the court, a number of people were expecting him to, to give his judgment. And then he indicated that just yesterday, the registry of the court notified him of an agreement that had been reached between the the <coughs> prosecution and the first accused person um, that's here in the person of Atu Asian. Mm -hmm. And that agreement relied upon the provisions of Section 35 of the Court Order Act. Now, Section 35 of the Court Order Act basically makes provision for someone who uh, has been charged with an offense before the high court or regional tribunal uh, which has caused economic loss harm or damage to the state or any state agency 
to um for the person to offer compensation or make restitution and reparation for the loss harm or damage caused other portions of uh, this section 35 indicates that when the agreement is made then the uh, the person will have to admit that he's he or she is guilty for the offense so in simple language a case is brought against you by the state and then you come up and say listen i am guilty but i want to pay that money that i was accused of having stolen yes so and then let the matter rest so yeah. i will not go to jail yes you convict so, me, so i pay and then we move so you on. are convicted you pay the the money as agreed between okay. the prosecution and you so but you don't get the, custodial sentence so clearly there was an agreement between the state prosecutors and atwayson's lawyers yes and that's what they came to present to the court that they had presented to the court and the, on, judge, on. the judge was not happy yes the, the judge was not happy the first thing he raised was the applicability of the said um, section to the instant case. Mm -hmm. Now, the judge made a point that if you look at section 35 of the court uh, order, mm -hmm. the, the court act, it is clear that the particular offenses that you are talking about should be one that result in financial loss to the state. Now, his point is that the 620 million Ghana cities given to capital bank even though that money was provided for by the bank of ghana it was given to capital bank and if that money was stolen as prosecution will want us to believe from capital bank that money belonged to capital bank and can't uh, form basis for financial loss to the state so on that level he felt that the prosecution had not met the initial threshold to in the first place begin a restitution agreement with the accused person so in simple terms the money was not for the state so the state cannot have an agreement with atwesi and the money was for shareholders of the bank that's now defunct certainly so it was private money not public not money. public money okay the, the the second point that the judge raised issue about has to do with the proportionality of the agreement or the amount of money that has been agreed to be paid mm -hmm. now atu asian has agreed to pay 90 million ghana cities to the state mm -hmm. from december uh, 2022 to december 2023 per the agreement he's supposed to make 30 million <laughs> ghana cities payment on or before today his lawyer made it known that he had already made that 30 million a payment to the state already mm -hmm. and the rest of the 60 million was supposed to be spread for the following year in three installments mm -hmm. so by the end of april next year he's supposed to have paid 20 million ghana cities by the end of august next year he's supposed to have paid 20 million ghana cities that will make it 40 million ghana cities and by the next by december he should have paid another 20 million 60 million but the judge in his view thought that if this 90 million was stolen from capital bank in 2015 at a time when the uh, exchange rate was one cd to three cities and now the exchange rate is one cd to a minimum of 13 cities mm -hmm. then in essence if you're asking the person to repay 90 million ghana cities the same amount that he stole in 2015. The time that, value of money would have been lost. Yes, and that will be ripping the state off. Mm -hmm. And in its worst, that will be making crime attractive. Mm -hmm. In essence, 
people will then go and steal and then based on this and say that when they, they will pay a, a, an amount of money that that you cannot equate to the value as of the time they took that money so on the basis of that the, 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 the judge felt that the state didn't get a good deal I see. So that's the second reason the judge had difficulty with the agreement that was reached by the two parties. What was the third reason? The, the third reason was the timing. So this case has traveled from 2019 uh, till date, started with uh, then Chief Justice, uh, then Attorney General uh, Gloria Kufo. And for the, for the judge, he's, he's, he's a court of appeal judge, sitting as an additional high court judge that means additional role always he has to now make a trip to the high court building to uh, preside, over, preside the over the case now this case travels for three years prosecution comes in with 17 witnesses use state resources to make their uh, case the accused at every point in time pleaded not guilty and he the judge after less taking their written submissions and final arguments have taken time to prepare his judgment only for him to be told yesterday that an agreement has been reached to prevent him from giving this judgment he thought that the timing in itself was not was not the best he, he even referenced the capital venture capital issue the the duku issue didn't he and yes. he said he wept when he he, he saw the decision so he yes yeah, so he indicated that a similar matter came to him in the venture capital case and when he read through the facts of the case and had written his uh, uh, judgment the state came back to withdraw the case but the point of the of the state was so the judge was saying that if it was the money that the state was after the state can allow him to give his judgment if indeed they believe in their case and when he gives his judgment and it is a custodial sentence. There can be some other consequent orders that m will make sure that the money owed the state will be retrieved. But the attorney, the deputy attorney general, Alfred Tiyaboa, in court argued that the difficulty with that process is that you will not have to take notice of all the properties of, of, of the accused and go through an auction process which he believes sometimes so it's better are the person, too tedious. It's better if the person volunteers yes, to pay. Yes, so he says that so if you have the machine. option that the person has volunteered to pay. Go for it. And it, it, it's one that you're not going to go through a lot of stress. They think that is a good deal. What did the judge say about the two other persons? Because this deal is between Atuisian and the state prosecutors, not all three accused persons. What did the state the judge say about that? So Atuisian is founder of Capital Bank, mm -hmm. Tete Nete. He is the second accused person. Now he is uh, with the. Um, he was CEO of the Capital Bank. Mm -hmm. He he was with the MC management, mm -hmm. and then there's uh, the third accused person, Fred Gerald Odonko. Fred Gerald Odonko, who was managing Capital Bank. Now these two persons have been charged with abetment and conspiracy, and the judge's point is that. Their abetment and conspiracy linked or hinged on the crime committed by Atu Asian. So, if the prosecution 
and Atu ASEAN has gone ahead to make an agreement. In essence, uh, saying that Atu ASEAN is guilty mm -hmm. without necessarily factoring into the consideration the other two accused persons, then he's at a loss what then becomes of, of, the, the, of, of the other two So he person. has asked them to go home and go and think about yeah, it. Yeah, so he, he has made his point very clear mm. that this um, agreement, apart from the fact that he thinks that it doesn't meet the legal threshold, he doesn't believe that is the best for the state. Mm. But he has given them uh, an adjournment to end legal arguments and appear before him and explain why why this case falls directly under the ambit of section 35 okay. of the court act and also to come back and either uh, make some realignment to the terms or come and justify the terms of payment that the amount of money to be paid thank you so much hansen ajiman of the city newsroom when we come back we hear from uh, the lawyer for the state so that's the deputy attorney general who was in court for the state who made that deal with Atuisian and his lawyers. And then we'll also hear from a governance person whether that is a way forward in dealing with matters where the state appears to have lost money. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Well, sorry to interrupt this program for a breaking news story. Information reaching us is that the whole country has been thrown into a state of joy and excitement about the new look of Total Energy's lubricants. Our correspondent Kwame Usu is standing by to bring us the very latest developments. Kwame, what exactly is the situation where you are? <laughs> Emmanuel, I must say there's a huge crowd here with drivers and customers extremely excited about the new Total Energy's lubricants bottle. I have with me here one of the drivers. Hello, boss. Yes, sir. You are live on Quartz 202.1 FM. Tell us the reason for your joy. My name is Wawo, and for 10 years, I use only Total Energy's lubricants for efficiency and performance of my car engine. With a new bottle, it's easier to read, carry, and pour. New bottle design and color, new label, new cap, and security features with a QR code. Massa is the same superior oil quality. Challenge, this is performance at third sight. So you heard it right. Total Energy's lubricants bottle have been entirely redesigned into a modern and premium pack to give you the best experience. Reporting live from the capital, this is Kwame Usu. Courts, keep your engine younger for longer. My man, I heard there's a new app on the streets that does it all for you. Ah, really? <laughs> How is that possible? Charlie, I also could not believe you too. But I downloaded the app and I'm telling you, I was able to chat with my friends, make video calls and... Well, we know of many apps that can do that. Oh, let me finish la. I was also able to listen to the latest songs, play games and read the latest post news. For real? Yeah. And I can send and receive money from the app. <laughs> Amazing, no? What's the name of this app? It's called Ayoba. Ayoba. Yeah, Ayoba. Get Ayoba. You're all in one app that lets you chat, call, share, play, pay, and listen to music all in one app for everyone. Enjoy Ayoba with MTN and download the Ayoba app today. Everywhere you go. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
Yo, welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. The story we are looking at tonight is that uh, Emmanuel Atuisian of Capital Bank, the defense bank, was in court today. Judgment was supposed to be delivered by the judge, uh, but that judgment was arrested by an application that was brought before the judge by not only Atuisian and his lawyers, but also the state prosecutors who were saying that, listen, we have made a deal. The deal is that uh, this person who is standing trial in the court, Emmanuel Atuisian, is going to pay the money back to the state so that way you don't have to jail him. And it is a law that is there. It's known as the Court Act of the early 90s, which they have relied on Section 35. And that was put before the judge. The judge was not happy and uh, he has agenda for the two parties to come and then properly address him on that. By 13th December, they should be back in court for a determination to be made whether he will accept the proposal from the two parties or he would go ahead and deliver his judgment. Dr. Kojo Asante is Director of Advocacy and Policy Engagement at the Center for Democratic Development. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. As someone who's been monitoring and following the governance space, the idea, there are schools of thought. Which one would you side with? That if someone is accused of, quote-unquote, stealing money from the state, uh, that person can come up and say, listen, I want to pay the money back to the state, so I go free. Or the other school of thought that says, no, if the person stole, let them be punished just like the good thieves will be punished and they will be sent to jail. What do you say? Oh, thank you and uh, good evening to your, your listeners. So I think, you know, the 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 whole concept of, of plea bargaining with uh, this uh, court act uh, seem to uh, accommodate is that you are trying to forestall the taxpayer having to spend money to prove your guilt when the person can admit his guilt and save everybody the time and the resources that have to be put in to go through all the motions of declaring you guilty when you know that you are guilty. So there's a value in rewarding the person in a way of determining that, okay, you we don't need to go to the trial. I am guilty and therefore uh, uh, I would I would basically pay the money and uh, and avoid jail. Now, so there's a, there's a value in that in that you know from that school of thought that you save taxpayers money and so on and so forth. Of course, um, in most jurisdictions, there are certain things that there are, there are crimes that may be exempted from that option because the state also wants to deter people from certain types of crimes. Right. Now, this particular course act that we are talking about, and the judge raised it, that he didn't think that what has been brought to him actually qualify under Section 35 of the course act because that is dealing with a scenario where before, when you are charged, before you actually start the trial, you come and say, uh, okay, I've admitted my guilt. These are my proposals. It's considered if it is satisfactory, you are, you are, the, the, the court will enter you know, a guilty plea and then you do a restitution in terms of paying the monies that you owe the state. But this trial has gone on for almost three years. And at the time of judgment, it's when somebody now is coming to uh, uh, activate the court act. And the judge is saying, 
He doesn't think that that's how the court act is supposed to. And then, then what is the point? Because you have uh, uh, led the state through this long process where you say you are protesting your 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 innocence, and we've expended all these resources over this long period, and now that the judgment is going to be uh, uh, made, you say that um, you know now I want to plead plead guilty. And and basically the court says that's not what the court has was designed for 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 us. So I am quite curious how the prosecutor came to the conclusion that that he could go under the court act in this particular case. Actually, the conviction should have been had, and rather is during uh, the sentencing that you can make you know setting uh, plea bargaining even at that point where you say okay. Uh, because of if I'm going to get this, uh, I'm putting a deal, I'll pay back this money, and maybe the court, by in their sentence, decide that they are not going to give you a custodial sentence. They, they will give you this, this this option. So there's there's a big issue there in this particular case. But the logic of the plea bargaining uh, uh, in terms of saving the taxpayers' money and and time and resources, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, particularly if it's all apply, applicable to certain type of offenses that might be seen as uh, completely obnoxious, you know, to society. Now, if that's an option, should that be an option all the time, or you think there are instances where the courts should insist that no, this person should go to serve a jail term? And the question would be, what purpose does it serve the state if someone goes behind bars? Yes. So, I mean, there's there are, there are many different ways in which sentencing uh, punishment is, is supposed to uh, sort of indicate or symbolize the posture of the state. The state might say that we we, we consider this offense. It's not about money, but it is such a uh, uh, it's such an egregious uh, action you know, to be taking that we want to create a deterrence. We don't want anybody. Uh, and, and and it might be that it's both. You get both the jail term and you still have to pay the money. You know, so that's also there. But in certain cases where the court say, okay, fine, I'm not going to, you know, waste our time doing this. If you can pay the money, you bring the money, you will still be on record as being found guilty. So it still goes against your record that you were convicted of a financial crime and all of the implications that come with it. But you would provide restitution for the money and avoid a custodial sentence. And if we did have community sentencing options, you could even have added community sentencing options in lieu of some of that custodial sentence, where then you get you know, almost like a public, uh, um, you know, uh, a public demonstration of your of your remorse, you know, could, could also be accommodated. So um, I think that the the value and it really is the, the the devil is in the detail, and that's why he's asked, "What is the justification for giving the money?" You are saying that we lost almost six hundred and something million, you know, liquidity support that was given. People uh, they supplied it, use it for their own benefit. Does this ninety million represent what what part of it? Is, is the portion that we are trying to reclaim because it looks like 90 million is so far apart. You know, so so I am interested to even know 
what the terms that the deal you know of the deal is because if you are representing the state, we as citizens, as taxpayers, have to understand, you know, what kind of deal are you are you giving because you set precedent, and then it becomes a, a, a challenge. We are not able to hold people accountable and let them know that they cannot benefit, you know, they cannot profit, you know, from from their criminality. Very well. We'll wait to see what uh, the team, the two parties would say to the judge and how the judge would decide on December mm -hmm. 13th. But thank you so much sure. for speaking to us. You're welcome. That's Dr. Kudu Asante. He's Director of Advocacy and Policy Engagement at the Center for Democratic Development, Ghana, CDD Ghana. We can now hear from Deputy Attorney General Afetua Yeboa, who was in court for the state. And this is what he said after the judge made a decision that he made, that he should go, return, and uh, convince him before the 13th. It's within the right of the judge to either accept or reject. Because looking at Section 35, even the parties agree, it's subject to satisfaction of the court. And the judge's wisdom has realized that there's a need to look at one or two issues. So we see nothing wrong with the judge trying to assert his authority as a judge in the case. The judge basically said that this was a battle. Couldn't you have got this after the Oh, it's, it's a matter of negotiation. And you know, if you're looking at a case involving an accused person, and the person makes a proposal. You also look at the proposal, consider, because let, let's take it. If you take a matter to court, it doesn't mean automatically you're going to have whatever that you are supposed to have. You need to bargain. We came to 19 billion. But they just said, if there's a need to up it or do something extra, we have no problem with it because it's the duty of the judge to scrutinize agreements reached by parties. So you're not going back to the negotiation? We are, we are looking at the ruling. Perhaps we may go back or we may leave it to the judge to decide. The, the, ju judge, the judge made a very profound statement that if he had we'd allowed him to have given the judgment, he would have probably convicted that case person. He would have gotten whatever he wanted. Why didn't he go through that answer? I think the judge, in his wisdom, decided to adjourn. He made a proposal for the adjournment to the 8th, which later came to the 13th. So it's within his wisdom because we never prayed for an adjournment. Because after his ruling, could have said he was ready to deliver the judgment and could have taken it like that. But he said he wanted to adjourn for the parties to consider the agreement again. We are, we, we, we are not in any way aggrieved by the ruling declared by the judge, because that's his power in, to do. In all this, the AG has been stating that he wants to ensure that the money that the state owes gets it back. Is this all part of the plan? Yes, in fact, that, that's, that's the plan. Because you have instances where people have been convicted involving huge sums of money. They are sentenced. They go to prison. The state does not recover anything. They don't really lose. So at, at times, if you are bargaining, you think there's a possibility that you can recover something. You need to also take a step. I stated somewhere at the last month that in all this banking crisis, our idea is to prosecute and, if possible, recover. So if there's a possibility of recovering, as in the instant case, if the judge agrees with us, then we have to go along that route. The judge talked about timing, and um, we know that sometime within the trial, the accused person had indicated that he wanted to refund some amount of money. What, why has it taken this long? It is true. The accused started making the offers to the Attorney General's office long ago, but we were not comfortable or agreeable to the figures that he was proposing. So that's why it took him all this while up to the last point of the prosecution. And we never relented no effort to prosecute the accused persons. Despite the overtures that the first accused person made to us, we continued to prosecute the case. We got to the end of the case. Then he brought in this last minute proposal, which we thought was quite reasonable, but of course, subject to the satisfaction of the court. So the accused, first accused especially, they didn't start his negotiation yesterday. He's been coming and then going. But it's rather maybe to his benefit that the last proposal that he made, we accepted. Should we, should we expect a better deal on the We are going to look at the, at, at, at the figures again. 
then we look at the options again. Two things, either we have a better one or we drop the whole thing for the judge to proceed with the matter and we look at where the, the, the ask falls. That's Deputy Attorney General Alfred Tua Yeboa speaking today after a decision was made by the court uh, which has put on hold an attempt to put on hold a judgment of the court on that Atoisian and two others case in the Capital Bank case. Lots of you have been sending you sending messages through. Aminu says, uh, to me, this law is unfair. Please, if a thief stole a goat and when he is caught taken to court, can he admit the crime and say he's paying back for the goat? Politicians are taking us for granted. That's Aminu. Uh, Daniel says, um, the states, uh, the states against, the stakes, I think you want to say, against the defunct bank owners is getting really interesting. I believe the state should agree for the refund of the lost amount than custodial sentence. Jones says, good evening. Very shocking how people who steal state money are treated with kid gloves while the poor who stole a bunch of plantain because of hunger is thrown into jail. Monkeys indeed play by sizes, you say. And uh, you can also send your message, uh, 0549-986. 996. That's the WhatsApp number 0549-986-996. Alternatively, you can go on our WhatsApp platform, uh, not WhatsApp, on our Facebook platform and uh, drop your messages there. Uh, let the world know what you think after watching what you are watching here. And the uh, number of you have sent them is Azunga at Darwin says, Atuation, no amount of money will save you. The law must work. That is on our Facebook. Uh, Gloria Johnson, you see me talking. I'm here talking. And uh, Justice, Justice from Kaswa uh, says, Good evening. In fact, the Nurses and Midwives Association should come again, please. We all condemn the act of the NSS Ashanti Region Boss. So, why this decision? MPP is better than NDC on any day. Okay, so th that is <laughs> that is a story we're looking at later. Uh, Isaac Noam is asking, Why is it only at 2ACN? Well, um, that was the first proposal that was brought. We don't know if there's another proposal to be brought subsequent to that. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We have more coming your way. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. If your landlord say come up for house, so you eh, if what is what I'm hearing true. What are you hearing? Where are my nephews? Going to school. Going to school where? UK. Uncle Kofi, what's all this about? Hey, so you have money to send your children abroad and you refuse to help me with my shop. No be so. Oh, Uncle Kofi, you know that is not true. Whenever I spoke to you about First National Bank, you brushed me off. They opened my eyes to how I could use this building to access more cash. I missed out on Yoho, so I decided not to miss out on Build Up 2022. Are you a homeowner who requires money for an urgent need? Build Up offers up to 1.5% reduction in your interest rate when you apply for equity release. Call First National Bank today on 0800-770-522 or 0242-435-050 to get started. First National Bank, Bank of the Changeables. First National Bank, how can we help you? Imagine. 
Imagine you are home for the Christmas holidays. Happy! <laughs> you are trying to make new meals with exciting recipes you found on YouTube. You are posting pictures of your activities on social media. You are playing online games, watching live matches, you are streaming movies, you are chatting, you are video calling, you are browsing, you are happy. This is an unlimited Vodafone Christmas. The unlimited Christmas promo is back. Get 30 days of unlimited browsing on Vodafone Fixed Broadband when you pay two months or more in advance. Stay connected this Christmas. Simply dial star 900 hash. Visit www.fbp.vodafone.com or download my Vodafone app to subscribe now. Terms and conditions apply. Vodafone, further together. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Now, the leadership of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association has directed its members at the Menchia District Hospital in Kumasi to lay down their tools from tomorrow if the Ashanti Regional Director for the National Service Scheme is not dismissed. In a viral audio, the NSS boss, Alex Upokumensa, is heard verbally abusing a nurse at the Menchia District Hospital after she had a misunderstanding with his daughter, who is a doctor at the facility. Although the management of the scheme has suspended Mr. Alex Opokumensa pending an investigation, the nurses and midwives say they are rather demanding his immediate dismissal. In an interview with City News, the Shanti Regional Chairman of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association, Jones Efrie Anto, said the strike at Menchia is the first of a series of actions they intend to take. The matter, what we are demanding is that they should just sack him. Otherwise, tomorrow, the morning shift of Mencia District Hospital will not go to work. The nurses and midwives will not go to work tomorrow, Friday, 8 a.m. The nice nurses will close and that will be the end of nursing and midwifery in that hospital. So further notice. This is simple. Suck him. Simple. Or they are valuing only him than all the nurses in Ghana, than all the midwives in Ghana. For a, 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 a director to walk to a health facility to threaten a nurse who can as well be his daughter, it's, it's just not fair. So what are the stages? You actually indicated in your release that those at Menchia will stop working for a while. That's so if that's starting on Friday, the morning shift, they are not starting. When is it escalating to the regional and the national? Actually, it's a 72-72-72. And so the first 72 starting Friday is uh, Mencia Hospital starting, the first 72. So they will not go to work from tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. So Monday, Asante Region will join. The whole of the region? Yeah, Asante Region will join. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the whole Ghana will join. So that is it. We, this is not something we delight in doing. We don't like strikes because nursing and midwifery, if we stop those services in the hospitals, the hospitals come to a standstill. And therefore, we don't want it to happen. That's why we give first 72 hours. That was the Ashanti Regional Chairman of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association, Jones Efriye Anto. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. Let's speak to Ambrose Nchiwa Jr. He's Acting Director of Corporate Affairs at the National Service Scheme. Ambrose, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You've made a decision, a decision to suspend your Ashanti Regional Director. Uh, is it that you 
set up a panel you heard from him and prima facie you took a decision to suspend him or what are the procedures that you have and how did that how did you trigger that yeah, thank you very much um i think that i will start by saying that national service is a public institution uh, operating under rules and regulations operating under laws we fall directly under the Ministry of Education, and then we also work to the Public Service Commission. So when the issues came up, these two institutions were contacted. There have been some meetings between the Executive Director, the Ministry, and then the Public Service Commission. And the process, according to the laid-down procedure, is that uh, in such matters, the first step you take is to suspend the officer consent. Uh, let's not forget that per uh, his own admission, per uh, what we saw in the newspapers, let's say graphic, page 44 specifically yesterday, he had come out to apologize, to admit that something wrong happened. So if that is the case, that will be in the scheme. So the scheme will have to take a step. And that's the first thing that we did by inviting him to uh, cry yesterday. We had a meeting, and then the decision was communicated to him that he should be suspended uh, pending further investigation by a three-member committee. All these things have been clearly spelled out in the regulations. So, um, reps from the National Service Scheme, Ministry of Education, and then Public Service Commission, one commissioner who would chair the, the, the committee would sit on the case for Monday. He has been invited. He will come. And then all the issues that have come up will be looked at, and the committee will make the appropriate recommendations after ASMU. Uh, Let me add that, uh, yeah, the committee has been given one month, but that doesn't mean that they will wait up till 31st of December. They could even use one week to finish the, the matter. Uh, looking at the agency of the situation now, they could use just one, one week or even two weeks so that um, whatever is there will be made public. All right. So, okay. What are the possible sanctions if um, if someone in your employ is found to have been culpable in any of these things that have been brought against him? And again, because it was not strictly an NSS thing, can you still punish the person? Yes, uh, it could be done. You know, if you listen to the audio very well, uh, I think on two or three occasions he, he introduced himself somehow. He said. I'm the director of national service, the original director of national service. So by by those words, he had broke the national service automatically into their conversation. Uh, he had gone there to do his private business, but he had mentioned national service and the position he holds in national service. In, in actual fact, he didn't go there in that capacity as the original director, so, but he mentioned it. So it is important that we look at all these things and then find out why did he even say that in the first place. Was he going to use it to influence whatever he was going to do there or to show some kind of uh, authority or power or whatever? All these things will, will be on earth when we meet him on, on Monday for the, the hearing. Uh, we have said that whatever the situation is, we must also allow him, give him a fair hearing so that we can hear the other side of it. Because none of us was there when the incident happened. So we will take some of these things on board. And any other evidence that he may have, he will bring them on board and then we'll look at them. Because of his conduct, people under the Mensha uh, area will not get health care because the nurses there are planning to boycott the provision of services. 
The demand is for you to simply sack him and not go through this whole procedure of suspending and hearing him and all of that. What do you say to that, that you are asked to sack him now and there are demonstrations and protests to ensure that you sack him? Well, um, that, is, that, that is to the extreme. Um, they, have, they have made their decision. They gave them, sorry, for coming to two hours to meet him and called on government to sack him. You know, uh, public service where, you know, works with some strict rules and regulations. You, you cannot just sack anybody within the, from the public service because of an issue that has just come up. Whatever it is, if the person is going to be sacked, you need to give the person a fair hearing. You need to ensure that you have, you have exhausted all the steps, all the procedures. I am sure, my brother, that you you are aware, or you may be aware of situations where um, people have been sacked from work, and eventually they have gone to court to seek redress, and courts have ordered that they should be reinstated. These things are facts. They, 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 they are in our statute. So we, we will not want to make that mistake by rushing to get him off. What if he decides to engage the service of legal legal, you know, people, and then the matter goes to court, and then you are told that you didn't exhaust the processes to dismiss him, so reinstate him. What would we have achieved if we do that? So why don't you rather exercise a bit of restraint, and then let's allow the process to go through. I, I've, I've had my my uh, friends from the uh, nurses fraternity, you know, making their demands, and then uh, giving the threats to go on strike and all that. Yes, because of the the way that things came up, the vituperations and all that, I'm sure tempers are high. That is that is normal. But we would want to plead with them to allow us to go use the, the due process. That's what I would say for now. Because we cannot also, as, a, as an institution, state institution, just say that because of what you have done and because of this, when we have sacked you, on what basis are we going to do that? If you are sacking somebody, you give him a letter of sack. You have to stake the grounds upon which the person is being dismissed. That is the normal procedure. So we cannot just, for instance, say that because there is a demand from the there is a midwife council that we should sack you, you are being sacked, or because of what you went to do there, you are being sacked without any investigation whatsoever. That will also be administratively wrong on our part. And that's why we're saying that why don't they allow us to go through the process? We are both state institutions. We are working towards the development of this country. So. Why don't you just exercise a bit of restraint and then uh, go through the process? And I'm sure that at the end of the day, the committee will come out with the, the uh, recommendations. That the management, upon the advice or the instructions of the board, will act accordingly. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. That's Ambrose Stewart Jr. He's acting director for corporate affairs at the National Service Scheme, Philemon. Uh, Edu Brempong is vice chairman of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives. Association uh, is joining us on the line. Uh, you're, so this is based in the Ashanti region, so the regional uh, vice chairman. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, the, the request is that you let the other party be heard. It's a principle, national, natural justice, that you should hear from him before you dismiss him, if he should be dismissed at all. The NSS is going through that procedure and process. Why don't you wait for that to be uh, exhausted before you make the demands you're making? He just said that you are both state institutions, and you should at least give them the time to do this investigation. What do you say as nurses? Uh, good evening. Thank you for this opportunity. If you look at the incident which happened on Sunday and our release on Tuesday, we gave a timeline that 20, 
72 hours. And if they have seen the exigency of the situation, they should have set up the committee to investigate what happened. The committee has been given one month to work. Let's look at the situation. He walked to the place, abused a nurse, insulted and assaulted her. And he has, in the audio, which is circulating, he mentioned his title, his position, that I am this and that. These are evidence. And I'm not a lawyer, but I know when you go to court and you accept a crime, you confess a crime, you are convicted. So what evidence do they need again? He went there, he insulted, assaulted, and he has accepted and even went to Facebook to apologize for his actions. So what at all are they going to investigate that he, he should be, uh, what, he didn't commit the crime, he didn't do it. And we have given, we gave them a period, 72 hours, and if by tomorrow morning, as we have communicated and in our timeline, if he's still in post, then the Asia District Hospital will withdraw their service to the public. Yeah, but that's the point I was making to you, that that would not be fair to, to what the natural justice rule is, that you should let them go through their internal processes. If it was you, you would have also allowed for your internal processes to have gone through. So imagine if you had flipped it and it was a nurse who abused a patient, for instance, your hospital would have to go through the internal administrative processes. That's what they want to do. Why don't you give them the time and rather than uh, forcing them to act without even concluding on the investigations? As a matter of urgency, what happened from Tuesday? Has the committee even started working? They could have expedited the process. That is not our focus there. We give government an ultimatum. That's why when we brought our release, we told government, we told public service commission to do what they have to do to remove the man from office. And look at the situation. The man in the audio made mention of, you know, nurses, your do nurse rotation nurses, you pass through my office, I push you to this place, threaten the whole nursing fraternity threatening the nursing medical profession. Why should this man continue to be in office? And currently, there are nurses and midwives who will be visiting his office. Can we work with him as a public officer? No. So we, we are leaving everything to government. We as a union, we are going to do our part. For all that it takes to move him from there. That's what we are doing now. As we have communicated in our communique, tomorrow, Withdraw, and if by Tuesday, close of day, Monday, if he's still in office, then Tuesday, Ashanti region, we are also going to withdraw service. Then it will continue to not change. So that's the only way out. For you, nothing is going to change your mind. We want him removed from the office. And what we have heard, though, we also haven't, yes, we also have yes, that the committee will come to after one month everything will die out, you'll be transferred to Sunyai, and Sunyai will come to Ashanti region. We have heard all those things. And if you transfer to Sunyai Tamale, Borga, he is still going to work with rotational nurses, and this we are not going to accept. We want him removed from office. We want him stuck. That is our position, and we are not going to take anything less. If the Minister for Health calls you and begs you, would that make you change your mind?
I can't talk today. We have a national executive committee. We have regional national council. They will decide on that. But as a, a region, we also take directives from our national executive and national council. It's their decision to make. What they say, we at Ashanti region, the district executive of Nishia and local executives are going to follow as such. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, that's Philemon Edu Brempon. He's Ashanti Regional Vice Chairman of the uh, Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association. Let's hear now from Dr. Kamaruddin Koku Hussein, who is a medical superintendent of the Mesha District Hospital on the latest decision by the nurses. As I'm sitting here, honestly, I'm still hoping it will not happen. But as leaders, we need to be ready for anything that, 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 that comes. That, to be very, very honest with you, without nurses, the hospital, we can't work. The only thing that we can do might be maybe attend to some emergencies, the OPD cases to receive them because you, you, we, we doctors can sit in the consulting room and then the prescribers are available, the records people are working. So working patient can be attended to. As for admissions, it will be extremely difficult. We'll not be able to handle cases on the ward. So let's pray. All of us, all of you should join us to pray. That doesn't happen. The very first thing from today, we need to quickly review all the patients that we have on the wards. Those that are not critically ill, we might have to quickly discharge them and then leave a very few of them on the ward, just in case it happens. And if it happens, we have to refer some of those cases to places that the strike has not taken, uh, uh, has not started. Dr. Kamaruddin Koku Hussein is the medical superintendent of the Mensha District Hospital. Eno has some other stories for us. The minority in parliament has threatened to resist the approval of the budget estimates for ministers that failed to move the motion themselves in the House. Parliament is expected to conclude a debate on the 2023 budget statement presented by the finance minister Ken Oforiata next week and, subsequently appro and subsequent approval of the appropriation bill. Speaking on the floor of Parliament, the minority leader cautioned ministers to be available in the House for the approval of their budgets. Mr. Speaker, when we get to approval of budget estimates and ministers don't appear in person by themselves, we will not support the approval of the budgetary allocations to those ministers. We will not do it. So ministers must take this house very seriously that only ministers so appointed by President Nanadu Dankwa to oversee the sectors must rise on their seats to move motion to ask for budgetary allocation and approval by this house. Failure to do so, leader, you are assured that we will, we will, we will stand down a number of those motions. I've asked the Committee on Health, Akando, if you come minus agenda 111 accountability on health to this floor, your health budget will suffer. We will hold this government accountable. We intend to strengthen oversight and we will do so standing here. So ministers, if you think you can take parliament for granted and take the majority leader for granted, because he's not aspiring to go higher, he's been undermined from his back. So, ministers, Mr. Speaker, when we get there, Mr. Speaker, we will indulge you. Don't protect or save any minister. If you are not interested in money to work, we will help you to sit home. So, if ministers don't appear in person, 
to move motions for the budgetary allocation, they should expect the fiercest of resistance from the side of the House. Haruna Idrisu is minority leader. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every market movement and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Eno Safo. Let's settle for the details of our stories. To increase the success rate of policies in the country, the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESA, believes there ought to be a deliberate attempt at ensuring such initiatives are research-based. The Institute argues that many policies implemented in the past were not data-driven and hence did not achieve the anticipated results. Speaking to the media on the sidelines, of the Data Repository and Advocacy for Policy Project, Measurement, Learning and Evaluation Unit Coordinator at ESA, Dr. Fred Janku, stressed that a change in this approach will see policymakers make significant process in the implementation of their initiatives. We're saying that there is, well, there is not enough, uh, uh, most of our policies or some of our policies are not based on evidence right enough evidence i mean uh, what it means then is that research is not informing the policies that we are you know uh, uh, the policies that we have enough so we think that there should be a stronger linkage between research and policy making and implementation right the, the, the link must be stronger than it is uh, today Measurement, Learning and Evaluation Unit Coordinator at ESA, Dr. Fred Janku. Now, the Chamber of Commercial Transport Unions of Ghana says the National Petroleum Authority has relented in its mandate of ensuring that the ordinary consumer is protected from being exploited by the BDCs. The union believes following the reduction in the prices of petroleum products in the new price window, coupled with a relative stable currency, the final consumer is to see some reprieve but this has not duly reflected. Speaking to City Business News, the Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber, Benjamin Insia, said the NPA has been partial in the discharge of its duties. Uh, we think that uh, prices of petroleum products on the international market uh, have seen uh, some plummeting or decline uh, in recent uh, time. For example, if you compare uh, the first and second windows of uh, November as against uh, the future window, which is uh, the current window in December, which is the first window in December, we have observed that there's about a decrease of 22% of price of petroleum products, especially petrol on the international market, and also a 17% decrease uh, on the price of diesel. However, the petroleum diesel, the commercial transport operators, are not getting this uh, decrease alternatively as we would have wished. And we think that the commercial petroleum operator is not getting this decrease or this significant uh, decrease in the price of petroleum products because uh, the MPA has been adamant or MPA favors uh, the setting of prices. Uh, MPA favors the uh, BDC instead of also uh, very partial and also being uh, respected. 
supporting the various stakeholders in the industry. We think that MPA rather supports these DDCs to set outrageous prices that go to the disadvantage of the commercial transport operators. That was the Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Commercial Transport Unions of Ghana, Benjamin Insia. To maintain sanity amongst the country's banking sector, a professor of finance at the University of Ghana Business School, Joshua Abo, believes that the Bank of Ghana must continue enforcing strict regulatory measures. Professor Abo says a lot of banks are now operating well due to the cleanup of some financial institutions following a severe banking crisis that hit the country in 2017. He spoke to City Business News after the launch of a book titled The Economics of Banking and Finance in Africa Development in Africa's financial systems. A very important uh, intervention has to do with uh, regulation. Uh, I will notice that regulation in many of these countries were, were a bit relaxed and, and couldn't really address the challenges. So what you need to do post the pandemic is to strengthen uh, uh, regulation uh, and make sure that regulation is quite tight uh, to be able to withstand the shocks okay, that confront um, the, the market. Uh, another important thing that need, uh, needed to be done was in terms of uh, providing alternative uh, financing uh, for the private sector and to be able to access financing to thrive. Uh, now, with respect to external shocks, uh, there's only little you can do in terms of your domestic economy. What you have to, have to do is tightening your systems, your systems, your local systems, so that you'll be able to withstand some of the shocks. Some Professor Joshua Abo is a finance lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. A senior tax partner with PwC, Abeku Jan Kwanza, is calling on government to make the country's tax regimes work to meet international standards by removing taxes that no longer serve their purpose. Abeku Jan Kwanza maintains that the COVID-19 levy is one of such taxes that are no longer serving its usefulness given the current economic difficulties confronting citizens. Speaking to City Business News, Abeku Jan Kwanza indicated that the tax system carries some amount of avoidable duplication. When we talk about crapping the levies, we are not in any way suggesting that um, there will be no effect at all. But what we are saying in here is that let the levies work like a proper view. The reason being that they are all being applied when I am making a supply of the product that trapped So in essence, we made two key recommendations relating to one. That one, the levies that you have, which currently you do not allow people to take credit for, add them to the VAT. So in brief, with government's proposal to move the standard VAT from 125 to 15%, if I add the 2.5 health levy, the 2.5 education levy, that takes me to a 20% um, on the face of it. Then you have the COVID-19 levy or the COVID levy. And what we are saying is that when the minister presented the president's budget to our parliamentary, he kept referring to a post-COVID program. And what we then said was that, well, the need for the COVID levy uh, is no longer necessary as far as we are concerned. That was a senior tax partner with PwC, Abeku Jan Kwanza.
Small and medium enterprises have been given a platform to display their locally manufactured products to promote the consumption of made-in-Ghana products. The platform, created by the Ghana Exim Bank, saw about 60 SMEs exhibiting several items including deodorant, sobolo powder, shea butter and footwares. The Deputy Chief Executive Officer in Charge of Business and Banking at the Ghana Exim Bank, Rosemary Archer, spoke to City Business News. Okay, um, I'm Rosemary Acha, I'm Deputy CEO in Charge of Business and um, Banking. Welcome to Ghana Exam Bank's Tuesday market on Thursday. You know, I've had you know, one or two people asking me, it's a Thursday, why not a Thursday market but a Tuesday market? Tuesday market has become a household name when it comes to SME promotion, as the SME development. And we thought that uh, today is Thursday, we are in a soccer period, tomorrow is Farmer's Day. You know, all these packaged products that you see here, they started from the soil. Because the farmers are the ones who produce the raw material for value addition. So why don't we celebrate them one way or the other? So basically, this uh, fair today is to celebrate the Ghanaian farmer. We are saying are you call to all our farmers. And to use the platform of trade to promote soccer, you can see Proudly, I'm in my jersey, yes. We launched the Think Soccer, Think Trade initiative. That was last week, Thursday. Just to tell the world that on the platform of soccer, on the platform of sports, we can push our Made in Ghana agenda. And there couldn't be a better time than now when we are preaching import substitution for poultry, for, for, for cooking oil and other essential uh, commodities. There couldn't be a better time to hold a Tuesday market on a Thursday just to project that yes, we have the raw material, we have the machines that we can produce and add value to this product, consume it and then export some of them. You heard the Deputy Chief Executive Officer in Charge of Business and Banking at the Ghana Exim Bank, Rosemary Archer. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Eno Safo. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. There's something special happening at Heritage Christian College. Their bustling campus is right in the heart of Amasaman, just behind the Olympic Stadium. And it will amaze you what they are doing there. Heritage Christian College is churning out academic excellence with their comprehensive range of degrees, including Bachelor of Business Administration programs, IT, and Theology. Don't forget to ask about their professional programs and short courses. What makes Heritage special? Heritage Christian College takes the academic 
academic experience further than ever with one laptop per student, flexible fee payment, entrepreneurial training with financial support, all delivered by a caring faculty working to develop your character and your intellect. Admissions are in progress, so call today on 054-777-731 and get accepted. For more information, go to hcuc.edu.gh. Heritage Christian College, a university educating compassionate entrepreneurial leaders. Fine, anyone can become a house. Oh, wow. Yeah, anyone. Whether market woman, student, professional, even fisherman or cobbler. You go play a real estate gaming platform that allows you to play and stand the chance of winning a house cash or other prizes such as savings towards the house simple and easy to play visit www.yougoflip.com buy a ticket to enter the game wait for the end of the game to enjoy the win anyone can win contact us on 0555222490 yougoflip this advertisement has been vetted and approved by the gaming commission of ghana Play responsibly, not for persons below 18 years, and gaming can be addictive. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blanc on Eyewitness News. On 97.3 CTFM, I am Umaru Sandamadu. Tonight on Point Blanc, we continue bringing you the debate from the House of Parliament, the debate on the 2023 budget. The focus today was on education, health, and employment. Members of Parliament who spoke, Dr. Clementa Park, Dr. Yawase Duchum, Kobna Minta Kando, Wright Rukubrobe. Let's listen to excerpts. There is a standard that has been set by UNESCO with regards to the percentage of a national budget expected to be spent on education. Mr. Speaker, as we speak, the range is 15 to 20 percent. If one were to consider the total amount of projected expenditure for the 2023 budget, which is 205 billion, and you factor in the fact that 24.7 billion is going to education, that only works out to a paltry 12% and is clearly below the lower threshold indicated by UNESCO. Mr. Speaker, it's also important to state that the debater before me sought to gloat about purported success achieved by the rather reckless and incompetent Akufado Baumia MPP government, making references to the fact that out-of-school children are now being catered for in the area of education. What he fails to note is that over 2 million students are currently 
out of school. Mr. Speaker, we all know that education is a tiered social commodity. We go from basic to secondary and to tertiary. We keep speaking about secondary education, and we speak about the introduction of STEM education as captured in the budget. But we are failing to devote dedicated resources to ensure that basic education meets the standards to serve as a foundation for secondary and tertiary education to try. Mr. Speaker, as we speak, government owes capitation grants in excess of four tranches, in fact, six tranches. And this works out to the equivalent of two solid years where basic school heads have not had any remittance in the form of capitation grants to run schools, to procure chalk, and even attendance registers. Mr. Speaker, how can this be acceptable? And in fact, when the ranking member on the Committee of Education was speaking, he alluded to the fact that over the years, and in particular with the introduction of the free senior school policy and its implementation, there has been a dwindling allocation for basic education. And that is simply not right. It ought not to be acceptable. And we have to make the case and make it forcefully that we cannot pretend to be building a structure and a superstructure on a very weak and in some cases a non-existent foundation. So we want to urge government, and I'm glad the finance minister is here, to take another look at the allocations. This continuous starving of basic education in favor of secondary education, even at a time when we cannot even get adequate statistics about what the resources going to secondary education are being used for, is simply not acceptable. Mr. Speaker, there was a change in policy. There was a change in curriculum. We moved from an old curriculum to a new one that has been named standard-based curriculum. Mr. Speaker, it has taken us over four years for textbooks that ought to have accompanied the new curriculum to be produced. As we speak, the printing houses and, in fact, the publishers who chose to undertake this exercise, for which even the books are not yet in the hands of students, are complaining bitterly that government is failing to pay them for work done. And as we speak, these books after four years, are not still in the classrooms. How can we run a system like this and expect it to succeed? Mr. Speaker, it is important to speak about secondary education. As for the issues in tertiary education, we already know them. My ranking member indicated them earlier. As we speak for the first time in the history of this republic, every public tertiary institution is bedeviled by a strike undertaken by teaching staff, and in some cases, non-teaching staff. Mr. Speaker, second education is a place I want to dwell with the rest of my time. I looked at the budget, page number 229, appendix 6, item 2, senior high school program, amount allocated, 2.95 billion, and just 
slightly above. Mr. Speaker, it is important. We have all accepted. Frisnia School is a good policy. It has come to stay. We on this side have constantly complained about the challenges thereof. Mr. Speaker, as we speak today, the total amount expended to finance the implementation of the Frisnia School for 2017 all the way to 2021 is unknown, and I'm glad the finance minister is here. I have filed several questions, and there has been no response. Only this year, when the finance minister to, came to present the media budget review, he quoted that for the period in question, an amount of five billion, five billion, has been expended to implement the free senior high school policy in five years. Mr. Speaker, what the minister forgot was that a year before, when he came to present the same document for the year in question, the 2021 media budget review, the minister quoted the total figure having been expended on the program as 7.62 billion. So how does he explain? How does he explain the fact that in 2021, he quoted 7.62 billion Honourable Park, you are still high in the air, begin to descend for London. Your which time is he earlier up. quoted in response to a question that I had filed in Hansa, the Hansa of Wednesday, 21st July 2021, where he stated 7.62 billion. He went on to repeat the same in the media budget review of 2021, 7.62 billion. Then you come back to us in the media budget statement of 2022 and tell us that the total amount expended is 5.3 billion. Mr. Speaker, this clearly cannot be acceptable. We ought to know what the true amount expended on the program is. And this is why Charles, of heads of government assisted secondary schools, he is complaining bitterly about challenges with the implementation of the program from shortages of food, from the fact that buffer stock food suppliers are shortchanging the system. Honorable member, your time is up, please. Oh, but Speaker, his time was up. You allowed him to speak. Honorable. Mr. Speaker, as I wind up, as I wind up, it is very clear and obvious that the educational sector in this country is in a crisis. I'll go to Tolibri, go to Guavaliga, go to Dambai, and see the technical colleges under construction and tell them that we're in a crisis. If you look at the outcomes in education in this country, we know at the high school level, we measure our outcomes with the WASI. The good news is that, why? released was this morning. And the outcomes is there for the whole world to see that if there was a crisis, it will reflect in the outcomes that have just been released. When you look at the performance of our students, I want to take this opportunity to congratulate them and the teachers for the great job that they have done. Before Free Senior High School, in a very good year, you have about 35% of the students getting credit in mathematics. Now this year, look at the numbers, and it has been trending upwards. English, 
60.31%, mathematics 61.39%, integrated science 62.45%, social studies 71.31%. Each one of them is about 60%. That is what transformation brings about. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics is on the move in this country. And this is evidence-based communication. This is not about looking at some book and talking about something that does not exist. I'm not going to mention the book, but you know the book. STEM education is seeing great transformation. Evidence-based. When you hear the STEM centers that the budget was talking about, go to Accra High, see the STEM center there, see 3D printing, see robotics in action. This is Ghana. You see the images and you think you are not in Ghana. Transformation is taking place. TV transformation is real. The Accra Technology Center, East Legon, you see that. All that we are saying is that when we talk about education, transformation is happening and there's evidence to show that it's happening. It is not just mere rhetoric. The good people of Ghana knows that transformation is taking place. Yes. Basic education has not been neglected. Yeah, yeah. About 50 school facilities across the length and breadth of Ghana it's going to be done. Funding has been received through the hard work of the finance minister from the Arab Development Bank. Soft cutting is going to be taking place around the country in the coming weeks. And this is a fact. The funding is here. Through Gallup, 10,000 plus schools are getting additional funding as learning grants. Basic education has not been neglected. And by the way, when you talk about the fact that only 12% of our budget is allocation, allocated to education. What people lose sight of is the fact that school feeding is not under the Ministry of Education. Consequently, you see that amount is part of the education expenditure in this country and should be seen as such, but it may not be listed as part of the education budget. So, we are not being it, it, we are not selling ourselves short when it comes to budgetary allocation for basic education or for education for that matter in this country. Mr. Speaker, thank you for the opportunity. And I want to say that education is on the move. And Abdankokufuado is transforming education as we know it. And therefore, we should all be grateful for his consistent support of education. Technical colleges have said seven of them under construction. All that I want to say is that evidence-based, when you go to your communities, when you go to Talibri, look for a technical college. Guabaliga, look for a technical college. Dambai, look for a technical college. Abrenkasi, look for a technical college and they are yeah, yeah, yeah. under construction. Mr. Speaker, any budget worth its salt should be seeking to address the main concerns of the citizens and to ameliorate the suffering of the people, not to exacerbate the already precarious economic hardship we find ourselves. But Mr. Speaker, if you take this budget, 2023 budget, Mr. Speaker, it is the evidence of the disconnect 
between the demands and the needs of the people and government policies. Mr. Speaker, if you come to the health sector, one of the critical areas is the National Health Insurance Scheme. Mr. Speaker, it remains the single largest health financing scheme in this country. Mr. Speaker, the attempt by this government to collapse the National Health Insurance Authority is legendary. Mr. Speaker, to start with, in the year 2021, Government collected in excess of 2.056 billion in the name of National Health Insurance Levy. Guess what? Only 123 million, less than 7%, was lodged into the National Health Insurance Fund. Less than that. Mr. Speaker, again, the worst is yet to happen. Mr. Speaker, if you refer to pages 190, 191, appendix 3B and 3C, in the 2023 budget, we are seeking to raise not less than 5.28 billion in the name of National Health Insurance Scheme. Mr. Speaker, guess what? If you go to the expenditure, only 2.5 billion is going to be lodged into the National Health Insurance Fund. Out of the 5.8 billion, Mr. Speaker, the question is, are we collecting taxes in the name of National Health Insurance Scheme for the purpose of, for the betterment of the scheme, or we are hiding behind National Health Insurance Scheme to collect taxes to do other things. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker the, the scheme is at the verge of collapse, and we must save it. Mr. Speaker, a couple of weeks ago, the manufacturers and the importers of pharmaceutical products warned that they are no longer going to supply medications on credit basis. Mr. Speaker, on credit basis, the credit worthiness of the scheme is gone. Because, one, there's huge delay in the payment of the National Health Insurance Claim to the service providers. Mr. Speaker, because also of the steep depreciation of the city, inflation, and others. And therefore, Mr. Speaker, the expectation of every Ghanaian is that if monies are collected in the name of National Health Insurance Scheme, it must be used for its intended purpose. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, we must save the situation. Mr. Speaker, let me take you to Agenda 111. We are all in this country. The President was touting that Agenda 111 is an unprecedented investment in the, in the history of Ghana. Today, as I speak to you now, if you pick the 2023 budget, the one we are debating, no, absolutely no allocation has been made to Agenda 111. Yes. Has it been abandoned? Yes. They should tell us. If it has been abandoned, they should tell us. If the minister so thinks there's a location to Agenda 111, you should tell us. But the interesting aspect is that in the 2021 mid-year review budget, page 100, that 600 million Ghana cities was allocated and utilized in the name of Agenda 111. Mr. Speaker, in the 2022 budget, another 518 million Ghana cities was also allocated to Agenda 111. Mr. Speaker, per a letter written by the Ministry of Finance, signed by the Chief Director, Mr. Patrick Mimo, to the committee investigating the expenditure of COVID-19, another 763 million Ghana cities has been expended on Agenda 111. Mr. Speaker, in all, we are talking about about 1.9 billion Ghana cities. Not a single hospital has been completed in the name of Agenda 111. Where is the money? Mr. Speaker, as we speak today, as Parliament, 
we do not know the list of Agenda 111. We don't know the current status of Agenda 111. We don't know which contractors are in charge. We don't know how much has been paid to who. Mr. Speaker, I dare say, not until light, clear light is thrown to Agenda 111, Mr. Speaker, this side of the house, we are not going to support this budget. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, again, let me take you to brain drain. Mr. Speaker, any responsible government will be thinking about how to recruit health professionals, maintain them, and retain them in the in their health facilities. Unfortunately, if you check paragraph paragraph 826, 825, our budget is busy discussing the exportation of health professionals out of the country. Mr. Speaker, read before you read the point of order. Please read, read. If you read paragraph 825, paragraph 825. Honorable members, I said earlier oh. that I'm, I'm not going to entertain interjections. In the 2022 budget, for example, it was funded under this Ghana Infrastructure uh, 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 Investment Fund. And this year, same is being applied. So if you say that Agenda 111, there's zero budget, that cannot make, be made to stand. So this is this, 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 this what we, we seem to correct there. And that is where Agenda 111 is captured. And this is for his information. He must not be churning out information to the rest of the world as if this page 191. And Mr. Speaker, let me also quickly react to what uh, he has said about the nursing issues. As we speak now, October, the statistics for nursing is 102,000. October 2022, as of October 2022, we have 122,511 nurses in Ghana. If you do the ratio, you will get roughly 1 to 250 nurses. The World Health Organization standards, if one to thousand, far, far, what we have in Ghana, far even exceeds it. So if, if, if we have a system where we can trade nurses and be able to even export them, it inures to the betterment of Ghana. Yeah. So let's, 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 let's get that clear. Mr. Speaker, because of my limited time, let me go to uh, the substantive matter for my debate today. Uh, seeking your indulgence to contribute to the motion that was presented by the finance minister on the 24th of November 2022. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the issue at hand regarding employment that many, many people speak about and, and just say that there is a freeze Yes. Honourable Honourable Well, that was the Honourable Deputy Minister for Employment, Bright Rukubrobe, trying to make his submission there before he was uh, asked to hold on by the Speaker. Well, that holding on would have to hold on. Well, that's where we enter next edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado Production by Beverly London and Sami Wiafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night.
our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973. City 97.3 Accra